Today on the Topping Show, Goosebumps is censored, Krispy Kreme shuts down a factory, Bed Bath & Beyond will not offer severance, Dollar General will invest in salaries, Meta subscription officially off the ground, Trump is back on YouTube, all of that and much, much more on the Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN and Topping Technologies. ExpressVPN has protected your online data, and Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in ICT security. If you're a business owner or an IT leader, give you a little assistance. You can reach them at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, jumping into the business part of the podcast, Bed Bath & Beyond said that they will not pay for severance. Going forward, this is not too surprising since they've been circling around the precipice or the brink of bankruptcy for several months now. The stock's completely obliterated, relatively speaking. It's getting close to a dollar share, and once you decrease below a dollar a share, you get delisted or you get a warning to be delisted by the New York Stock Exchange if that's the exchange you're on. And obviously, that makes shareholders, customers, employees, everyone pretty upset so that's not a good thing now they had paid severance most recently in their second round of the recent layoffs they got between eight and 12 weeks of severance pay and they also noted that they told employees they will not contribute to the annual 401k match payment for 2022 and a lot of people are upset about this you should not be too surprised this company is barely in existence analysts as recently as q4 2022 were saying they will not make it this year just because of the ever decreasing in sales and of course increasing competition it's one of those things where they have to make a lot of cuts now hopefully they make the cuts appropriately so that they doesn't completely inhibit the business if you like a lot of historical retailers around business like circuit city one of the things circuit city did was they got rid of the commission program for all the employees who were in the sales department or rather their job was selling all the consumer electronics and as soon as they got rid of that, all the top sales reps left. So their sales went down to nothing. Now, Bed Bath Beyond, does, as far as I know, doesn't have a commission program in that regard. More of a traditional retailer. Think of them like Best Buy, where it's very transactional. You have hourly rated employees, and you have managers, and you have corporate. It'll be interesting to see if they could fend off bankruptcy this year. It'll Maybe they'll get an extra product in line, or they'll have to make some very lucky and strategic moves in order to fend off this bankruptcy that's just knocking at their door. Now, other interesting businesses, Krispy Kreme, one of the most popular donuts ever, they're going to let go of 102 workers at their Concord factory. That, unfortunately, the layoffs are planned to be permanent, and that will be for May 11th. That particular factory was dedicated to the Krispy Kreme snack out products. The company had launched the product line in 2020, but they decided to exit that business, which... If you look at the historicals of all these businesses that go from a traditional they own the store to more of a traditional they license their product out or they put their product in other stores, it's safe to say that more often than not, it doesn't work. For other businesses, there are a couple of similar restaurants where they simply have a licensing deal. So they don't actually make the food you see in the frozen food aisle. There's a couple of popular restaurants where they'll also have their product there. But they're not taking on the cost to actually make those products. It's just a simple licensing deal. Where, rudimentary speaking, when it comes to licensing, you let someone borrow your name or likeness, they pay you a lot of money, and they do all the work. Which, traditionally, 
pretty sweet deal. And of course, you have to make sure you protect the brand, make sure the, the quality is up to scratch and up to your standards. Now, it's interesting that they were actually making their own and then putting into stores, traditional stores like you know Target, think of Walmart. And I suspect they're doing this partially to increase foot traffic to the direct sales model where people go directly to the Krispy Kreme stores. Now, they've been around for as long as I can remember. So long term, I think they're going to be still a successful company. And this will probably put them in the right direction. And hopefully those employees might be able to find a new job in a similar field or maybe even reapply for other corporate jobs somewhere at Krispy Kreme. Now, other retailers that are facing many challenges is Dollar General. And they're going to actually invest $100 million in staff, which is pretty astonishing when you look at their business profile. They've been fighting a myriad of threats, especially when you look at, they're very similar to a lot of the dollar stores like Family Dollar, that's not a popular branch, the Dollar Tree. And those companies are hit on two fronts. One, when COVID-19 hit and all the supply chain was cut down to nothing, a lot of their inventory is coming from overseas. So they had a lot less inventory, and then of course you had record inflation. So they've been fighting this fight on multiple fronts. And historically, if you look at the stores, they've always been a little subpar when it comes to the cleansingness or the dirtiness. There's always products or inventory in the shipping box. So the plain cardboard box that you get from the manufacturer, and it would just be in the middle of the aisle. And other dollar stores have had that issue before. And another issue that they all seem to have in common is the labor shortage. Sometimes they would only have one or two managers. And I use that term lightly because it's, they're managing the store. It's not like they're a manager of a team to five to seven people, but they're in charge of the whole store. So very tight staff. That's why if you go there, it's hard to get some help sometimes because you only have one or two people taking care of the whole store. And of course, you have to have someone at checkout and you have one person going in the back room to bring products to the front line. So it's one of those very difficult things. And those companies, a lot of them increase the cost. So Dollar General, I'm not sure if they specifically did, but their competitors, because of inflation, they had to go from a dollar store to a dollar twenty-five store, which may not sound like a lot, but if you depend on those stores for your groceries and your staples, such as, you know, I would say all the staples that you really need are, you know, food, milk, water, those types of things. I mean, imagine having 25% of your purchasing power taken away because they spike that and they have to carry it they don't have the profit margins to absorb that loss like a Tesla where Tesla was able to decrease the cost to get the extra tax incentives for the consumers, but they had enough profit where they can do that and not take a loss. I don't know if Dollar General could do that. So they had to increase their prices. And this is also an attempt to try to get more qualified staff or additional staff to bring a new talent to the company as they try to keep expanding since they're extremely successful. If you watch a documentary on Dollar General, kind of compared to the documentaries around Walmart, they're very similar to the, their position geographically. They usually go to small towns where there's not a lot of competition, provide an exceptional service. Town falls in love with them. They everyone, it's a win-win. Consumers get the products they like at a great price, and Dollar General flourishes as a business. So that's why you'll see them a lot in the country, and it does a lot of good in that regard. Now, it'll be interesting to see how they're also hurting in terms of fiscally. Now. If you look at their sale of items in the traditional profit margin, there's not a lot of profit in staples, especially if you look at the ones that are on brand. So when you think of on brand, think of things like Tide, where that's owned by Procter & Gamble. That's not the Dollar General's brand. So the profit margin is a little bit less, but they need that product because you need to wash your clothes. 
and you need things like like food. So the sale of staples slash essential items at Dollar General in recent years, those have been going up a lot. And the number of units that are traditionally higher margins, such as the houseware and apparel, think of you know kitchen utensils and other things you might use around the house, the number of units sold in those regards have been plummeting. So they're increasing their sales, but the profit margin is going down. So it's it's a pretty tricky situation for Dollar General. It'll, hopefully they'll be able to use that $100 million investment to get some exceptional talent to help the stores as well as corporate and continue to flourish and provide jobs and provide, provide, provide consumers with exceptional deals. Now, going over to Facebook, we reported this a couple months ago, but the subscription is officially launched. This subscription service is off the ground so that you can pay for verification similar to Twitter. And now in order to pay for verification on Facebook with their, or Meta, who owns Facebook and Instagram, they must, the user must provide a government ID and pay an additional $11.99 per month on the web or $14.99 per month on Apple's iOS system and Google-owned Android system, which I'm pretty sure they're making the same amount of profit margin. It's just anytime you put anything in the Apple store or the Google store, or the Android store, since Google owns Android, they have to take a cut, which is, has been the debate between a lot of companies like Epic Games and a lot of those app developers who say Apple's taking too much. So the reason that price is more expensive is because Apple is taking some of that money. It's not going directly to Meta. Now, this is pretty fascinating and interesting to see. Pretty much every social media company copy Twitter. When Elon came out and announced that Twitter Blue was going to be a subscription service where you have to pay, you'll get less ads, and you'll have a verification, everyone said it was going to fail. It was going to be a terrible idea. And they mocked him openly, as the media tends to do. And it's proven not only to be successful, but now every other company is copying it because these companies are bleeding because most of these companies rely on advertising dollars. As previously noted, during downtimes of the economy, that's one of the most cut things on the budget for small businesses and large. So not too surprised. This is also following Snapchat. They're also copying this business idea where they're going to have a subscription so they could have their verified. And it is appreciated with Twitter. It's a lot more transparent. In the past, it was such a murky, unclear application process. And more often than not, you actually had to pay behind, money behind the scenes. There are some reports of some investigative reporters and some reporters actually having to pay $10,000 just to get their Twitter verification mark because for a lot of people, that mark means that much because it looks more authentic. It looks like you're the real deal. I remember when I tried to get verified when I first got on Twitter a little while back, I believe they wanted, they didn't necessarily want a government ID, but I do remember that they wanted like three different articles that you had written or three different reference points. So you can maybe show them your Facebook page or LinkedIn page to kind of pull it together to show that you're not a bot, you actually have some social media presence. And more often than that, you just get, get declined. And granted, my Twitter following, relatively speaking, is very, very low. So maybe they just didn't see my application or the AI just ignored it, but I never got that. But now that you know this company, I might invest in that. Now, going on to the culture section of the podcast, one of the most successful books in history, or series rather, Goosebumps, is about to be censored. Now, this series was written by R.L. Stein. It's the second best-selling book in history for kids right after Harry Potter. And at the peak of his popularity, the Goosebumps books were selling 
4 million copies a month, which is astonishing. When you look at entertainment, I always tell people, entertainment is very similar to gambling in terms of the odds. Publishing books, making movies, more often than not, you are losing money. You're bleeding, but you're hoping beyond hope you find the next J.K. Rowling or R.J. Stein because those will literally change your publication and everything overnight. Similar to the publisher of Harry Potter books where everyone turned her down and the one that took a risk on her, they knocked it out of the park and now they're most rep one of the reputable publishers out there because, of course, they receive a percentage of the sales. Now, this is interesting to see. I've checked over four different websites to see where is this censoring starting? Who's behind it? Now, some sources say that Stein is accusing the publisher of censoring his works without permission. The New York the, uh, Times originally reported that he agreed, but the author spoke out in the afternoon saying that he did not authorize any censoring. However, other sources are saying that he did approve them. And unlike Dolly last month, who we talked about, he's the author behind Charlie and Chocolate Factory and Matilda, he's already passed for most of the censoring that took place. So there is a little controversy more around that because the author doesn't, he's not alive anymore. So you're messing with his works beyond the grave, similar just like the James Bonds book with the Fleming, Ian Fleming being the writer. He's not around, he can't make any of those changes. They were trying to make changes. So a lot of people were upset. This one, the author is still alive and kicking. And it's almost as if he's trying to hedge his bets or play the odds i kind of feel because there's not a lot of transparency of who initiated the censoring and it's not necessarily there's not really a win-win in the situation you're going to alienate just because censoring usually just come to many times comes down to political affiliations and on average the u.s is split 50 50. so you're going to offend probably about half the united states or more depending on how many people truly believe in free speech these days you're going to alienate a lot of your fans because you're censoring the original work of art created by the author. And maybe he knows if he plays both sides, people will still buy his books because they go, well, he's fighting against the publisher. There's it, just not a lot of transparency about the situation. Again, I checked four to five different sources and there's so much conflicting data. The only thing that we know for sure is that censoring of his books is taking place. That much we know. Now, specifically, they're censoring things like weight, mental health, and ethnicity references with more than 100 edits total. And several words being replaced, like plump is now being changed to cheerful, which is completely indescriptive of the actual thing you're trying to describe. Plump means he nicely heavy set. And cheerful, that doesn't describe the physical characteristics of the person, that's just a how you're feeling, your mood. So one of the things I'm against out of green censorship to begin with. But one of the reasons also is that you're going to confuse the audience because you're taking away the meaning, you're changing the whole thing. And now crazy is being, the word crazy is also being changed to silly. And the word, and the phrase, a real nut is now just a real wild one. And again, all these things cause more confusion. I don't know why they're so dead set on getting rid of every ethnicity reference. Personally, I find it fascinating to learn about different backgrounds to different people. And I thought you would want to have works of art where you get to see those different perspectives, different ideas. And it is just bizarre and disappointing to see more and more of these works of art just censored and thereby destroyed over time as censorship becomes more and more acceptable to more and more people. 
Now, I'm hoping there's enough of a public outcry and there's enough people advocating and promulgating that they want the original work of art as written at the time when he released it. So you can still get those. And this also goes to my long-term idea of save your physical media because it's a lot harder to censor a book on the shelf as I have on my left. Dozens of, or hmm, close to a hundred books at least. It's a lot harder to have someone knock down my door and censor that with a, a whiteout pen, which is probably a little old of a reference for most people listening, but it's a lot harder to censor that and then just go on the internet and just with a click of a button, you can completely rewrite a work of art or a story. You completely get rid of a picture. It's hard copies are a great way to preserve history. And hopefully more people stand up to censorship and let them know that we will not buy your product if it is not the original as intended. Now getting to the politics part of the podcast, which oddly enough also runs into the censorship and the culture, Google, or now Alphabet, so it's a little bit of a tiered system. You got Alphabet, which owns Google, which owns YouTube. Now, YouTube announced they restored former President Donald Trump's channel. Donald Trump's account was originally suspended for more than two years following the January 6th, in some say insurrections, some say riots, in which he actually had a video of him saying, he, tell, he tells people to peacefully protest, and yet they all say his rhetoric was all responsible for the insurrection, whatever you want to call it, where now we actually have video evidence of police letting people in the doors into the Capitol they actually didn't force their way in. The police guided them. But I digress. Across all of his social media platforms, he has about 146 million followers. And this is also following, you had Elon Musk reinstate Trump's Twitter, as well as Facebook Meta reinstating him as well. Now, it'll be interesting to see if he actually utilizes those platforms because some are saying he actually has contractual obligations to Truth Social. And Truth Social is a, as it might sound, it's a social media app for basically his fan base. And he actually invented the app. It's owned by his company. And on that app, he has 5 million followers there. Now, if he has any shot of winning the next presidential election, I think he'll probably go back to using the other platforms. Some are speculating that as long as he says it, as long as he tweets, or they call it truths, I believe, actually, on um, the Truth Social platform, which is not very original, but interesting enough. Now, as long as he makes a statement there first, then he can, under his contract, tweet that as well. So he might just copy-paste into other social media programs, but he desperately needs to do, he desperately needs to get back onto the main social media channels because... You don't win a race by continuing to ponder to your current fan base. And on True Social, that's a skewed environment or more of an echo chamber because the people who follow Trump, they're the ones who signed up for the app. So he's not going to reach the middle ground or people on the left with his idea with his ideals and ideas. So unless he can find a way to reach people in the middle, he's not going to win. So he needs to get back on YouTube and all these social media platforms. I don't know if he will, but if you want to actually reach the common man, it's a cliche term, but it's cliche, cliche for a reason. He needs to propagate those ideas across as many social media platforms as possible and actually reach the people in the middle, reach the independent voters who are probably many of them, like myself, are kind of sick of the left and the right, and they view him as an alternative perhaps 
because he certainly is not a traditional Republican in, I would say, any regard. Now, it'll be interesting to see how that happens. And of course, it is disgusting that these social media companies censored him to begin with because he was the sitting president of the United States. Whether you like him or not, his job is to promulgate his ideals. Granted, some of his tweets were obnoxious, but it's still, it's supposed to be, freedom of speech is supposed to be paramount to the foundation of society. Everyone should agree he has his right. And also, even if you don't, even if you hate him, like see, a lot of people on CNN, they build their business on just covering his tweets every single day. It just provides a lot of substance and a lot of content for them. So I was, I would, I would not be too shocked if people at CNN and other traditional media companies were secretly enthusiastic beyond all belief behind closed doors. Because if he actually goes on Twitter with this frequency that he had before, he'll provide them with endless content. Which also many people say that's why he lost because he put out so much content that wasn't related to his political philosophies and ideals. A lot of it was just random and wasn't helping him drive the points home. I mean, so you have to, he'll, if he wants to win, he just needs to find a way to use it and use it effectively to promulgate those ideals to the middle as well as on the left. It'll be interesting to see if he can pull that off. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, we might have to expand this a little bit. There's been a lot of blunders in the automotive community. And unfortunately, today's blunder of the day is going to be Ford. Now, Ford recalled 1.5 million vehicles. And specifically, it is around brake and wiper issues, which, unlike a lot of the other automotive recalls, these are much more detrimental because you do need brakes to stop. A lot of people aren't big into cars. Not, some people don't identify as car guys, but they should know that much. You do need brakes to stop. I don't know of any National Highway Traffic Association approved vehicles where you have the Flintstone cars where you can actually stop the car with your feet by smashing your feet against the ground. I don't think those are on the road anymore, perhaps. Nevertheless, this is detrimental for their image because, again, brakes are paramount to the vehicle. It's one of the few things a vehicle must do. Now, specifically, more than 1.2 million car brakes may have specifically leaky ho brake hoses, which is even worse because that's even more catastrophic. Now, specifically, it is the Ford Fusion and the Lincoln MKZ made from 2013 to 2018. They are, Ford is aware of one crash. Now, thankfully, there's been no fatalities related to that recall. So there is some good news on there. Now, the other recall for the windshield wipers, specifically, they actually have a habit of breaking the arms on some of their pickups, which some might say is actually worse because Ford stopped making cars a couple years ago because they were losing money, just bleeding, trying to make vehicles. And of course, they had more problems, but that's one of the reasons Ford decided, hey, we're going to focus on trucks because we make trucks for the longest time. The best-selling truck in the United States consistently is the F-Series, which includes F-150, F-250, F-350, yada, yada, yada. And to have something wrong with your key product does not look good. Granted, they still make the Mustang, thankfully, and then they have the E-Mach, or Mustang E-Mach, that well, little electric thing they make. But to have one a recall on one of your most, the most, the cornerstone of your company is not great. Now, Thankfully, there are some forums saying it's as simple as just going to a dealership and swapping a couple parts. So it's not too prohibitively expensive for Ford and it's not going to be too much of an inconvenience for the consumers since in that case, it'd be 
just need to swap a couple of windshield wiper parts, you're not going to be out of a vehicle for weeks, which is extremely frustrating, of course, if you are on the receiver end of that. Nevertheless, that is certainly the business blunder of the day. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Don't forget, if you'd like to see more content like this, to like, subscribe, and comment. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.